Welcome to the Cashflow Guys Podcast. You heard the man. We are here. This is the Cashflow Guys Podcast. I am Tyler Chef, your host. And this week, I'm going to talk about how to avoid a flipping nightmare. Ladies and gentlemen, people, a lot of people talking about it, right? Market correction may be, may be coming. Who knows? We can't predict the future. I get all that. There's lots of uncertainty in Washington. There's lots of uncertainty in the world. Everybody's a victim. We live in a snowflake society. I mean, it's a problem, right? We've got problems. This country has problems. We as American have pro- Americans have problems. Our financial markets have problems. Let's be honest. Americans are overextended. You know, they're making more, but they're spending more. There are credit issues. There's lots of different factors to consider when you're getting into real estate. And I know some of you are going to continue to flip property no matter what I say. So at least if you're going to continue to flip properties to fix and flip, let me give you some tips to keep you out of hot water and keep you from going absolutely broke. So strap yourself in. Let's go. First of all, there are too many people I see having difficulty getting to the finish line when doing a flip. Okay. Way too many people. And that's because that's because of many reasons. Actually, there's not just one overlying reason, but a lot of it has to do with people overpaying or maybe just not seeing the whole scope of the rehab, not understanding what the rehab looks like. So we've, we've know that a market correction is imminent, imminent, right? And if you don't, if you haven't, if you don't realize that if then you're not paying attention, if you've got flips out there, if you've got projects that are not done or you're thinking about getting into a flip, I'm not saying don't do it, but what I am saying is be smart when you do do it. Now the experienced people will continue to flip houses no matter what goes on with the economy because, well, they're experienced. Number two, they've got teams in place. They have a control on their costs. They're very good at solving their problems. They can get through these. They've got systems and processes to make this work. Now, I'm not saying don't, you know, that doesn't mean that nobody else should flip, but what it does mean is that if you're going to flip, you've got to be ultra, ultra conservative, okay? That starts on the buy. When you buy the property, you've got to buy conservatively. Now, I know you've heard all kinds of things from the real estate gurus and this and that about, you know, 70% uh, of after repair value minus repairs minus blah, 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 blah. Well, guys, I'm here to tell you 70%. If you're, a, let's say you're, you're, you're flipping houses and if you're buying at 70% and let's say the market shifts by 10%, let's just say there's a 10% reduction in property values because I don't know, the lending standards change or something happens in the world. We see that the stock market fluctuates in a New York minute, right? Literally, no pun intended. But the stock market, just the thought of something will completely change the entire structure for at least 24 hours of the stock market, right? So it impacts consumer confidence, right? These are things, and people say real estate doesn't adjust quickly. It doesn't, however, but when there's no when there's nobody there to buy because people are uncertain, these are things that you should be concerned about. So although in, a, in, a, in the grand scheme of things, the real estate market does shift rather slowly, nothing really happens overnight. And that's why I tell people, you really can't time the market, folks. You cannot time the market because by the time you realize the market has actually crashed when it reaches the bottom, it's already on the recovery. All right? So I've read this time and time again. I absolutely believe this logic. It makes sense. You can't time the market. So please don't try to time the market. But what you need to do when you're buying is to be conservative. And be conservative. That means plan for a downturn. It is completely reasonable that in a single family space, you could see a 10% shift in uh, the sales prices of a property of properties in a given neighborhood or a given market simply, and I don't care how good your market is simply because of buyer confidence. 
All right. Even if the nothing happens economically, if the GDP is, is, is where it needs to be and the Dow is looking good and all these different factors that the economist hypothesize is changing the, the real estate market, all of that could have no impact at all. However, if you've got a group of buyers that simply are scared, they're not going to buy, you're, you're going to get desperate and you're going to start discounting the property, right? So in case things like this happen, buy conservatively and you think the next thing you'll be like, well, Tyler, I'm, I'm doing the best I can, but I can't get deals, right? Everything I find is overpriced. Well, first of all, I'm going to tell you, go back to basics, guys. Stop buying what's for sale. You need to get direct to the sellers. Don't let the wholesalers make a $30,000 or $50,000 fee because that's your equity, right? I'm not saying there's anything wrong with them making the money. They can make whatever they want. It's a free country and more power to them. Frankly, I'm a greedy capitalist pig. I'm, I'm all for it, the wholesaling. However, if as a flipper, if you are the consumer of that flipped property, let's say you're the guy that's going to buy it or girl is going to buy it and flip it, you got to get better prices, which means as the market shifts, you're not going to have margin to be able to pay a wholesaler unless that wholesaler has got a rock solid deal, right? A rock solid deal. You got to make sure that you're buying conservatively. So I want to start with, don't ever believe the comparables data provided by anybody who can financially gain from your purchase, excluding yourself, of course. And what I mean by that is this realtors will tell you, Oh my gosh, this thing will sell for $300,000. Uh, when, when you get it, when it gets done and gets beautiful and whatever, realtors are not appraisers. First of all, right? They're giving an opinion of value. Frankly, appraisers are giving an opinion of value. It's appraisal is not a science or it's a science rather, uh, or an art, not a science, but I can't think today. Appraisal is an art, not a science, which means it all comes down to their opinion. Even a licensed appraiser has an opinion. I can tell you this, an appraiser goes through a significant amount more training than a realtor ever did. So ask yourself this question, how long has the realtor been licensed? How many transactions have they done? Is it, and, and it's great that people are getting their license and getting started out. And I'm not saying don't use a realtor, but what I am saying is, you need to do your own due diligence. In other words, people need to prove to you, they need, you need to ask them for comparable sales. And then you need to take those comparable sales and verify and look for some more comparable sales yourself. Okay. Frankly, I recommend go sit down with them on a zoom session or something, have them screen share with you. That way you can see all of the comparables, not just the comparables that make the house you're going to buy look good. Look at all the comparables, ask questions. If you don't understand, all right. You got to dig deep, look not only in the MLS, but also look in public records, go to your local, your County, uh, or if you, if you're a parish, if you're in uh, Louisiana, go to your tax or your uh, property appraiser's office, look at the sold data in a very close proximity. Let's say a quarter mile. If you're in a suburban area, a quarter mile or half mile of the subject property. If you're out in a rural area, that obviously is different. But if you're in an area uh, where there's lots of comparables, go to public records, the hell with the MLS because the MLS only shows that group of data. It doesn't show all of the data, right? Realtors rely on the MLS because those data, that data shows the statistically higher sales. However, lately I can tell you this wholesalers are getting more money than realtors are for the same properties. Okay. You take your three bedroom, two bath average American house, a wholesaler gets more money selling it to somebody wholesale than a realtor could get selling it to somebody retail. That's a fact because there's a lot, not a lot of inventory, which means anything for sale gets top dollar, which is going back to why we need to be working directly with the sellers whenever we can. Okay. 
So you've got to make sure that you have verified not only the data provided to you, but you need to go dig in for your own. Anybody can do this. Um, the folks that are in my mastermind that are join the group coaching, they become experts at property valuation because that's one of the most important things, understanding where the value is. We spend time breaking out, going through in their own market, how they can value property in their own market. That's a critical tool. I don't care if it's multifamily office, mobile home park, single family houses, doesn't matter. My students understand how to value property so they can make money off it. That's just bottom line, guys. That's what you not got to be good at doing. Next thing you've got to do is uh, make sure that you insist on a full title search, okay? A full title search. That includes a municipal lien search, in my opinion. When you get a title search, you should insist on a warranty deed or a special warranty deed and uh, title insurance. Yeah, probably asking, what's title insurance? Well, title insurance is a basically it's, it's that. It's an insurance policy that insures the title against defects in case the title company or the closing attorney or somebody overlooked issues that are on the title, the insurance, the title insurance will pay to correct that as you can spend tens of thousands of dollars to correct title issues. Sometimes you have to pay bills that aren't yours that belong to the previous seller to get title issues settled. Your title insurance covers the cost of that type of stuff. It is a huge, huge benefit. Don't waive title insurance. If you buy from a wholesaler, generally speaking, a lot of times you cannot get Title insurance, especially if you double close, if you double close, if you buy a property and double closing, which means A to B, B to C, there are a lot of cases where you cannot get a full-on title insurance policy because to the title agents, to the title insurance companies, that is a huge risk. There is a huge, massive, gargantuan risk of potential for title issues when you're buying on a double closing because the chain of title is bouncing around a lot, right? There are things that could be overlooked. They, can't, they have to go back and maybe even do a 99-year search to guarantee the chain of title. There's all kinds of things that could pop up when it comes to title. This is why I insist that my clients use my title company. I use Insured Title here in the Tampa Bay area. They're Insured Title Agency. They're great, great people. They do a fantastic job of making sure that they check over everything. I'm going to have a title abstractor come out on the show here in a couple months probably to talk more about title issues and, and uh, the things that will come up and help you learn how to do title searches and stuff like that. You have to make sure you've got that title insurance that is safe. And if you're going to borrow money to do the deal, for example, you go to a bank, they're going to insist on, on a lender's policy. When I, if I sell a property and I hold the paper as the, as the seller, I give seller financing, I insist on a lender's policy, right? That protects me as the lender in the event that, uh, as a mortgage holder in the event, uh, of the, uh, there being any title issues down the road. We want to make sure the title's clear. God forbid I wind up with this property in foreclosure. The last thing I want is a whole bunch of title issues too. So there are certain protections in place. The bottom line is, ladies and gentlemen, you can insure against just about anything. So reach out to your closing attorney. Reach out to your title company. Like I know in North Carolina, I guess they don't use title companies. They use closing attorneys, which frankly is just a way to overprice the whole transaction, but whatever. It is what it is. I think New York's the same way. But however, just get out there and do get a full title search. Insist on a municipal lien search. The next question is, what's a municipal lien search? Municipal lien search is just that. They search for municipal, which is government slash utility liens against properties. There are all kinds of these on all kinds of properties that are often overlooked. The last thing you'd want to do is find out you bought a property and there was a streetlight assessment in 1990 that the county never bothered to properly notice 
You think, well, that's, I'm just not going to pay it. Well, guess what? If it gets discovered, you're going to pay it or the property won't close. Well, I'll sue the, I'll sue the, the county. Well, good luck with that. When you've got a buyer that needs to close the next 15 days, you don't have time to sue, which means your buyer goes bye-bye. And that nothing worse than that, nothing that sucks more than losing a great buyer and a great contract because you got title issues. Ask me how I know. I bought a property that had an old mortgage on it. I had to reach out to the descendants of a lady that had an IRA that invested doing it with another investor to get this whole thing worked out. It was a nightmare. I got it worked out. That's only because I was persistent, but I'm here to tell you, I invested a hundred hours of my own time going, working through that process to get it squared away. It was a very delicate, very tedious procedure to get this apartment building completely free and clear because I rushed my way to the closing table. I didn't take my own advice. I knew better. I was just being an idiot. So I've learned my lesson. Tyler's not going to be an idiot anymore. Tyler's going to take his own advice and make sure he reads all the paperwork. That means I will not close on a property that has any exceptions to title. In other words, if there's a title search and there's any boo-boos that pop up, I will not buy the property. We've talked about that before. These things will be worked out prior to closing, and then we will have them mark up the title search and, and give us a, a free and clear title insurance policy that protects us. Okay. Whenever you can, folks, try to avoid flipping houses inside of an HOA. Uh, any place that's, a, that's got a homeowners association or things like that or deed-restricted communities, I say avoid them, and I'll tell you why. Because they cause undue delays. I had a, a client recently that flipped a property inside of an HOA, and they got dragged out for several weeks just over the paint color. Now, here's the funny part. The HOA says you can paint it, I don't know, red, blue, purple, and white. Those are your four choices. So they pick one, and then it takes another four weeks for the board to decide that that's okay, even though they're the ones that gave them the choices in the first place. That doesn't even make sense. They say, hey, you can paint it one of these four colors. And you say, okay, I want that one. Okay, we'll get back to you in four weeks if that's an acceptable choice. Well, if it's not an acceptable choice, why the hell is it on the list? That doesn't even make sense. However, these people got dragged out for a whole month, and in that month, a property came on the market and sold for a rock-bottom price and dropped their property value by 30 grand. Yes, that is the problem with flipping single-family houses. The value is tied to comparable sales. I don't want to get on a tangent about that, but you better be prepared for somebody coming in and having a different situation than you, panicking and selling their house for cheap. This was a nice house. Somebody died. There's a probate situation. It went on the market and got sold. The realtor made a quick commission. Everybody's down the road. The problem is anybody plans on flipping houses in that neighborhood now has to stomach a thirty dollars to $40,000 price reduction. So when you're buying your properties, you need to allow for this. Okay? HOA and gated communities also make it harder to show. It's harder to hold an open house. I'm a big believer in open houses, a big believer in open houses. It's very difficult to have an open house if you can't get into the property, right or wrong. That's just the reality of it, okay? Insurance companies have be started scrutinizing far more often than they ever did before. This means that if you're going to do rehab work, you've got to do good quality work. Okay? You can't get over with doing these fluff and buff lipstick on a pig type rehabs if you want to get it sold. You can make it pretty and get some knucklehead to sign a contract, but that doesn't mean you're going to close on it because if the buyer is using any sort of bank or government-backed financing, they're going to require a home inspection. They're going to require an appraisal. The home inspectors are going to look and find the property, find out that there's issues. The insurance company wants a four-point inspection to be able to bind homeowner's insurance coverage. 
if the inspection finds any issues, you can't get insurance or the buyer can't get insurance. If the buyer can't get insurance, they can't get the loan to buy the property, which means you're going to say, well, I'll just wait for a cash buyer. Well, if you think that you're going to flip a house and look out for a cash buyer, then you're kind of a bonehead. You're not real bright. I can tell you that. Because only an idiot would, would go through the grief of selling and trying to flip a property and then waiting for, strictly for a cash buyer. That defies all logic in my, in my mind. The finance buyers, the ones that are going to the bank, are generally going to yield you a high, much higher sales price. So why would you go through the grief of flipping a house saying that you're holding out for a cash buyer? The other dumb thing that flippers do is that they try to sell it themselves. Guys, if your expertise, if, that, if your one thing is not selling houses, which means if you do anything else besides selling houses for a living, you got no business selling your own house. Why? Because you're mat, you're mat passing on the opportunity for a kick-ass listing agent that actually knows how to market the property effectively. You're like, I know how to market. I do direct mail all the time for all my leads. That doesn't. You just know how to get mom and pop that are having a crisis to pick up the phone by some fancy footwork. But that doesn't mean you know how to market a pretty house. Okay, so find somebody that does. Hire them, pay them well, and get top dollar. Quit bitching about the real estate commission. Come on. Don't be a snowflake. Get a pre-sale inspection, guys. When you do good rehab work, be proud of it. And more importantly, have a, an inspector come out and pre-inspect it. Yes, it's going to cost you a couple hundred bucks, but it is a massive selling tool. Some buyers will even take that inspection as it is. They'll, just, they'll say, yeah, this is great, because they don't have to pay for one now. So having a pre-sale inspection... Basically says, look, I've already had a licensed inspector that's independent from my company come out and inspect this. Now, granted, some buyers are going to say, nope, I want my own, and as they probably should, I would tell them to. However, there's a large number of buyers that will take it, your your inspection, just because they don't have to pay for it. Oh, big deal! You gave them four hundred bucks. Who cares? Quit being cheap, right? So instead, do that pre-inspection. Number one, it's going to clue you into any issues that come up, so you can fix them, and then have the inspector back out to reinspect so that those things have been taken care of. What does it show? It shows that you're a good guy or a good girl and that you, you care about the condition of the property, that you care about the quality of the construction. If you don't care, then you shouldn't be flipping houses, frankly. But if you do care, have it pre-inspected, spend the 400 bucks, build it into the cost of doing business, whatever, because it makes it easier to buy. Okay, Everything that you do should be making it easier to buy, making it easier to insure, making it easier to finance. Getting that pre-sale inspection is huge. Now, you can go get an appraisal, which helps sometimes, but you may also find out, like I've had people find out, they go get an appraisal and find out they don't really like, like the results of the appraisal. That creates a problem. So that's a judgment call. I think it works great in a lot of cases. When it comes in good, great. We use it as a marketing tool and off we go. Boys and girls, please use a licensed contractor when you're flipping houses. Please don't deal with some fly-by-night guy or worse don't use a guy that says i'm working under so-and-so's license oh i'm working under jimmy's license first of all don't even go down that rabbit hole i've got clients that are dealing with that issue right now they used a guy that claimed to have a license turned out the guy doesn't have a license he used somebody else's license now granted that somebody else knew they were using their license we think but the guy's a hack he does terrible job it's not easy to become a licensed contractor, which means it, the, use it as a qualifier. If the guy doesn't have his own license, that probably means, that could very well mean, not probably, but could very well mean 
that there's a good reason for that. Like he's lazy. He's not good at what he does. He sucks with details. He's a terrible businessman. It could mean all kinds of things, but you should get a red flag. I want to talk to the guy whose name is on the license. That's who I want to do business with. That's who I'm going to write checks to, which brings me to please do not pay unlicensed contractors. You're opening yourself up to liability. Okay. Unlicensed contractors don't carry any liability insurance. They don't carry workers comp for the flunkies they got walking around or the rent drunks that are out there doing the work. They slip and fall and get a boo-boo. Next thing you know, you're getting sued for everything you have. Don't get suckered into that. Insist that you only deal with a licensed contractor and that they have workers compensation insurance and that they provide materials themselves because you don't want to provide the materials. Why? Because if you provide the materials, you become, according to the IRS, an employer. You don't want to become an employer. Trust me when I tell you. You want to know more about that? Ask your CPA. When you are selling your property, let's say you've done a great job, you followed all my trip, all my tips, everything's going great. Now you're going to sell the property. If it's if provided the, the property hasn't been a train wreck flip and you've had it for two years trying to flip it, even though it's going to take, I swear, four weeks. If it if if you got it done, let's say within a year, ask the title company that's doing the closing for a reissue credit. What I like to do is whenever title company you bought it with, sell it using the same title company. It just makes it easier to get a reissue credit on the title insurance. Here's what that looks like. Let's say you spent $1,000 for title insurance when you bought the property. If you sell the property four months later, you can get a credit, uh, what's called a reissue credit, towards the cost of the new policy for the new buyer. So let's say instead of that policy being another $1,000, let's say that policy, you'll get a credit and it's only going to be $500. So you'll get money back on the unused portion of your policy, basically is how it works. So if you have questions on that, reach out to a, to a closing attorney or a title company and ask them about a reissue credit. Okay, They're not going to expect you to ask them for it because that's additional profit for them. But they are required by law to give you a reissue credit. If you ask, you got to ask for it, though, a lot of times. So ask for it. Stay involved in the process, guys. This is about leadership when you're flipping houses. Be proactive with the local government officials, your code enforcement, your building department, your permit people. Don't go in there swinging your testosterone everywhere, acting the fool, work with these people, right? Their job is not the greatest job in the world. They're probably a guy in a building department or a girl in a building department probably making less than 50 grand a year. They hate the fact that you're making what they make in a year in one flip, hopefully. Some of you are probably losing what someone makes in a year in a flip. But for those of you that are actually making money, don't think that the government official is happy about the fact that they make thirty-five dollars to $50,000 a year that they got to go schlopping through your job site to see all your crappy work and all the stuff that you've overlooked so that they can be your babysitter. They don't like that. Keep that in mind. You have to understand who you're dealing with, which means simply do good work, boys and girls. It's that simple. Understand this. The buying standards are tightening on the retail side. Okay, That's just the reality. That's It's a cyclical situation. It's becoming more and more challenging to buy. Appraisals are getting tighter. Insurance requirements are getting tighter. That means you need to stay conservative when you buy. The 70% of ARV model is no longer works. But I have people giving advice out there in the field saying, oh, now you can do it 80% of value. Guys, if you could barely do it at 70% of appraisal of, of after repair value, you sure as, hell, sure as hell cannot do it for 80%. Realistically, right now, I wouldn't be touching anything unless I could get it at 50 to 60% of value. You're thinking, that's not possible. Oh, that's crap. You can't say it's not possible. What that says is, I suck at negotiating. I'm weak and ineffective. Therefore, I should take myself and my snowflake self and go hide in the corner because I never learned to negotiate or I'm too much of a coward to negotiate. Here's the deal. 
You want to be flipping houses? You damn sure better be a good negotiator or you better hire someone that's a great negotiator. If you're flipping in the Tampa Bay area, give us a call. I got agents on my team that will kick ass in negotiating. Do it myself for a fee. If you want to learn how to negotiate, maybe you need to get involved in the Mailbox Money Coaching Program. We're making it ridiculously easy for just about anybody to join the program and help you get out of your own way. So maybe you should think about doing that. How about that? Lots of changes coming up here in the next couple of weeks on that program. You'll be a fool to pass up the opportunity. Understand this. Lending requirements will be getting tighter as the market shifts. Okay, They're going to be tighter on the borrower's credit rating. They're going to loan-to-value ratios may shift. That happened last time the market corrected. That's primarily on non-government-backed loans. FHA is 3.5%. It's been that way for decades. Um, but understand when you buy, you need to make it easy to sell on the back end, which means don't be a pain in the ass when dealing with the buyer. Offer for an additional price to cover their their closing costs. Say you're offering a house for $300,000 well, or $200,000, let's say, and let's say the closing costs are ten grand. Offer to cover a portion of the buyer's closing costs for a higher sales price. So instead of them giving you two hundred grand for the house, and they cover all the closing costs, let's say you you give them. Uh, let's see, I think you can do four percent or five percent, depending on the loan program. Well, let's say four percent. So two hundred grand, right? At four percent, you can cost you can cover eight thousand dollars of their closing costs. So what does that look like? Well, you have them give you two hundred eight thousand for the house, and you cover the closing costs. Why do you do that? Well, number one, they're paying you to do it. You're getting reimbursed. And number two, it makes it easier to buy, which means you're going to have a more successful transaction and you're not going to have to go through the drama of trying to have to sell this thing as the market slides down, down, down. So be smart, right? Be smart. Guys, have that pre-inspection report handy. Get it done if you're going to, if you're going to do a pre-inspection. Hand it to the buyer. Provide it to your realtor for marketing. Leave it on the kitchen counter, whatever you're going to do. But sends a screaming message, guys, a screaming message that you are squared away and you do good work. That makes people line up to buy your house. Offer a home warranty plan. I'm not a big believer in home warranties, frankly. That's just me personally. However, buyers are. And I only care about what buyers want. Buyers get a warm, gooey, fuzzy feeling with a home warranty. I'm not a believer in warranties. I agree with Dave Ramsey on this one. I think warranties are a ripoff. It's the worst investment you could probably do outside of whole life insurance and infinite banking. Whole life is absolutely the worst investment on the planet. And I'd say number two would be any sort of a, of a home warranty. However, think like your buyer. Your buyer gives them a warm fuzzy. It costs you a couple hundred bucks to give them a warm fuzzy. That's worth it because it's a difference of getting your property sold or not getting it sold. Ask yourself this question. How much does one month of, of holding costs cost you on this property? How about six months of holding costs? Well, compare that to a couple hundred bucks for a home warranty and a pre-inspection and ask yourself, is it good financial sense? Gee, let's see. I'm going to spend $700 between a home inspection and a home warranty, but my holding costs are $1,600. No, I'm not going to spend the $700 so I can piss away another $1,600 every month. That's called being an idiot. Okay, Don't be an idiot. Get out there and make it easy to buy. Lastly, ladies and gentlemen, hire a kick-ass listing agent who can sell. You're not an expert. I covered this a minute ago in the podcast, but I guarantee you, you are probably not an expert at selling houses. You might be an expert at fi fixing houses or an expert at buying houses, but you can't be all things, right? And frankly, you shouldn't be wasting your time doing that. You should be out looking for your next opportunity. Don't be an island. Hire people. The cost of a kick-ass agent is free for you if you're smart about it. Because at the end of the day, ladies and gentlemen, who the hell's writing the check to the agent? Are you writing checks as, a, as the seller? 
No, you're cashing checks. So don't be a knuckle, knucklehead. Hire a kick-ass agent that will get you top dollar in the least amount of time to reduce your closing costs and get out there and make it happen, boys and girls. Hope you found value in this episode this week. I went a little longer than I planned, but I think there's some good information here and stuff you could use. If you are not a member of the, the Facebook group, head over to cashflowguys.com forward slash group. That gets you right over there. If you're interested in our group coaching program, we're opening the doors on that again. It is, the doors are open. We're going to be making some tweaks to the program. We're pretty excited about it. We're kicking off first week of February for our group program. You're going to get in, get access to all of the recorded materials the day you purchase. If you sign up tomorrow for the Mailbox Money group coaching system, you will get access to all of the previous uh, recordings that we've done with the group, all of the, the files, all of the information, the paperwork, the contracts, the forms, the templates, all of that. You get access to that on day one. We start live coaching the end of January, first part of February to get you financially free. This is the year, ladies and gentlemen, have a great week and thanks for joining me. This concludes today's episode. You don't have to wait till the next episode to learn to earn. Head over to cashflowguys.com and contact Tyler and his team for more powerful tips and ideas. So you can start generating multiple streams of income and escape the rat race.